Hi, this is Pastor Emily McGinley from Urban Village Church, Hyde Park, Woodlawn. If you've been to UVC, you'll know that we seek to be three things, bold, inclusive, and relevant. We know that there are countless folks across the country and out there in podcast land like yourself, seeking a message that will bring insight, hope, encouragement, and joy as we do this thing called faith. Please consider making a financial gift to help us with this work of inspiring, equipping, and sending out agents of gospel life and inclusive love. Just go to www.urbanvillagechurch.org forward slash give. Thanks for listening, and God bless. So our passage today um, comes from uh, Acts chapter 10, verses 44 through 48. Listen for what God is saying to you. While Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell on everyone who heard the word. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out, even on the Gentiles. They heard them speaking in other languages and praising God. Peter asked, These people have received the Holy Spirit, just as we have. Surely no one can stop them from being baptized with water, can they? He directed that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they invited Peter to stay for several days. May God add a blessing to the hearing and understanding and living out of this scripture. Good morning. My name is Diamond. I'm going to leave that there because I don't want to mess it up. My name is... No, move it. Okay. (laughs) Past two weeks, it keeps falling, so I'm scared of it. I'm scared of you. (laughs) Sorry. My name is Diamond Pate, and I have the honor of being a student pastor here for this year. Um, I'm not, I graduate on Friday, but I'm not done yet. I will stay until the end of June, so. Or until the end of June, May, sorry. Um, oh, I got you all excited. Sorry, I have to drive home <laughs> until the end of May. Um, so I'm finally excited to say that spring is here. As I emerged from my seminary's basement, finishing my last paper, I swear spring just kind of slammed down on us. Like the birds started singing and there was color and I just like was brought with joy, almost tears of joy and happiness that the sun is out and it's warm and I'm not wearing a jacket. So I'm so glad we get to continue that joy together in this space. Let's pray. Come. Holy Spirit, come. Amen. So if you haven't noticed, our sermon series have gone into a nice little progression since Lent. First, we talked about prayer and how we can connect to God. Then we talked about afterthoughts and prayers and how we can put our faith into action. And now we're talking about how we can reach out into the community and invite others into that action, into that work. This month, we're talking about evangelism. I don't know about you all, but the word evangelism always made me kind of uncomfortable, (laughs) kind of nervous. Um, When I think of evangelism, I think of very specific images of, you know, white dudes in their suits on TV asking for money, or the young boys knocking on your door over and over again, uh, pestering you at the most inconvenient times, or the folks who stand at the CTA faithfully giving out pamphlets, and I'm sure all of our favorites, those folks who are out on the street corner yelling and screaming at everybody that they're going to hell because they're sinners. But I've learned something in my time here and in seminary. Evangelism doesn't have to be that. 
Evangelism isn't just pestering or insulting people to know Jesus or else. And at EVC, I hope you have noticed that we do evangelism a little differently. In fact, last night, we had an evangelism event. We had an open mic night at the Silver Room. We had about 40 people come all together. Um, We just got to spend time together. We got to share our gifts and our talents and our music and our poetry and our storytelling or our applauding and snapping and coffee drinking for those who weren't performing. Uh, But most importantly, we got to support each other and we got to listen to each other. Throughout the night, our amazing MC Gabe would ask us icebreaker questions for the crowd for us to answer. Some of these questions are pretty great. I wrote them so I can say that. (laughs) But the answers last night were amazing. One stuck out to me. The question was kind of hard. Where is the power? And some said, and someone said, it is in the people, in the elders, in their vision, the youth, in their zeal, and in the middle-aged, in their strength and their guidance. Another popular answer was, there is power in storytelling, listening, and in sharing in that vulnerability. There is power in storytelling. And you know what? That's exactly what evangelism is and what it should look like. It is telling your story and talking about how that story is entwined with the greater story of God. Each week, we come up here and we tell a testimony And it's just us talking about how God is at work in our lives. Because God is at work and is part of our story. And in turn, we are part of God's story. And then evangelism takes it one step farther. We tell stories so we can invite other people into that greater story of God. Evangelism isn't just about making people realize that they need to repent of their sins, but inviting them into relationship with God with a community of people just trying to support and love each other the best we could. In the book of Acts, it talks about this formation of this community of love. After Jesus died and rose from the grave, he told the disciples to go throughout the world and continue telling the story and to invite people into discipleship. Then he left, descended into heaven, without leaving an instruction manual. He did promise the Holy Spirit as a guide, but the Spirit isn't always so easy to predict. The disciples were tasked with forming and growing the early church, which was a lot of moving parts and questions. How do we build a movement? Who is this movement for? Who gets to join in the work? What is required of the new participants? They had to come up with everything, and obviously they did something right there were a lot of places where they struggled. There were many sections in Acts where they had debates about what to do with the Gentiles. Jesus was Jewish. Jewish. Most of his disciples were Jewish. This movement started among the Jews. But then suddenly the Gentiles heard, and they wanted to be part of this work too. And the disciples just didn't know what to do because the Gentiles didn't follow the same religious rules and customs that the Jews follow as religious devotion. So if these people just weren't worshiping right, and they were not following God's rules, how possibly should they be included? The verse we read today is is kind of the end of a bigger story 
Uh, like one of those movies where they show you the end first, and then there's a freeze frame, and the character says, well, you're probably asking how I got here. Well, I'm going to tell you how we got here. So back at the beginning of the chapter, um, Peter, who was the lead of the disciples, he was the one who like, knew Jesus. Jesus said that he was the rock in which the church was to be built. Uh, he, he pretty much knew all the ins and outs of all the things to do with Jesus. Well, he was invited by a man named Cornelius, to go to, who's a Gentile, to go to his house and speak about Jesus. The only problem was, Jews and Gentiles didn't really mingle. In fact, it was against Jewish law for them to get together. But then Peter has a vision. And in this vision, a giant sheet falls from the heavens. And on this sheet are a ton of animals that, according to Jewish law, cannot be eaten. Then the Lord tells Peter, get up, kill, eat. And despite being very hungry, Peter says, Surely not. Lord, I have never, ever eaten anything impure and unclean. But then the voice says, Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. Let me repeat that. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. I'm only going to say it twice, but... Peter had to hear it three times before he got the message. I think y'all are smarter. Don't tell Peter. <laughs> you see, Cornelius, too, also had a divine intervention. An angel came before Cornelius and said, hey, come invite Peter to your house. And so Peter comes and confesses that he was a little nervous to come. But then he says, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. So then, as he is speaking, he's giving a sermon about the life and ministry of Jesus. The Holy Spirit comes down and touches the people who are there. Peter is astonished that the Spirit had even been poured over the Gentiles. He thought salvation was a gift from Jesus distributed by the church to the Jewish people. But now the salvation is being offered to foreigners. These outsiders were being invited into what he called the new Israel of God. So here's Peter, this man who had all this knowledge and experience, but he learned something new about the divine character that day. The Spirit's tricky that way. He thought he had everything figured out. He thought he knew which specific group of people to target and to invite into his movement. He knew what their interests were and their behaviors. He knew what he would need to say to draw them in. But then the Spirit comes and changes everything. Peter is learning that the mission of the church includes the stranger, the outsider, and the Gentile. And this all leads to debates about what to do now with the Gentiles that they're receiving the Spirit. Should they follow Jewish custom? Should they eat what the Jews eat? Should they worship the way they do? Should they be circumcised? Later in Acts, there was a big council to discuss this, and they decide that Gentiles do not have to conform to Jewish custom, that the Spirit came to them just the way they are. Remember, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. And scholars say this was a very wise decision, 
Because if they hadn't done this, if the council had gone the other way, they hypothesized that the early movement of the church would have just stayed a sect in the Jewish community and eventually die. The lesson here is that the gospel wasn't something that should be interpreted through Peter's beliefs and biases. He was just the instrument. He needed to allow God to speak through him, and maybe despite him, to allow the Spirit to reach out and touch the crowd. Peter, or the church, or the laws, or the customs, is not subject of salvation. God is the subject of salvation. Salvation comes directly from God. And we, I mean Peter, uh, shouldn't stand in the way of it. Because someone, because we think someone might not be deserving of it. But God has decided that everyone is deserving. Everyone has been made clean. And how dare we say otherwise? This is God's message. We just need to let that message work through us through our minds, through our hearts, through our decision-making and our policy writing, in the way that we can extend a radical welcome to the outsider, or we too would die. Evangelism is letting the Spirit work through you. The book of Acts isn't about the early church, but the way the Holy Spirit has come to fulfill God's promises. The text says that the Holy Spirit came to Cornelius to say, hey, you belong here. But it also came to Peter and the Jewish Christians saying, hey, they belong here. So we must ask, what is the Holy Spirit saying to us? Who else has been empowered by the Holy Spirit to be included in our midst so that we just don't take the time to hear Take the time to extend that welcome. The Spirit is eliminating boundaries. And when we say we are a church that is boldly rooted in the gospel of Jesus Christ, which has the power to tear down walls and build up life, do we really mean it? Urban Village Church is trying. They're a lot farther than a lot of other churches. We are working on inclusion. We are working on incorporating anti-racist values into the way we do worship here. So thank you, by the way, for all those who helped with my survey. I got an A in the class, thank you. <laughs> but the work's not done. Uh, your answers are very meaningful, and they were very helpful for my research. Um, people are seeing the work that we are doing here and what we are doing, and they're attempting to be better, not just in worship, but in their daily lives. The survey was anonymous, so I'll say very vague. But people talked about how the things that we are saying or what they are hearing here on Sunday mornings has caused them to pay attention to the way they act in their daily lives. And that's good. Continue to do that work. Because we need to think of ways to expand it. Every week, me or someone else stands up here and say that we are relevant. That what we say here doesn't stay here, but it needs to go out into the community. But does it? Do we live into this statement through our actions, and through the places that and businesses we invest in, to the people we come in contact with, reach out to, just simply make eye contact with, or not, simply say hello? Are we reaching out to them? Because the world is a mess, an absolute mess. Folks are being blocked and shoved aside. 
I'm preaching to the choir here, but we shouldn't be surprised by the daily reports of discrimination in videos that are on our Facebook pages every morning. We all know about the Starbucks incident in Philly where the two men were arrested for being black in Starbucks. At Colorado State University, where two young native boys were arrested just because they were quiet and seemed suspicious, like they didn't belong. People are scared of black and brown and queer bodies, and they're trying desperately to exclude them from their spaces. But as a church, we're not afraid to stand up and shout, that ain't right. It isn't okay, and it is demonic to shove people away in that way. And shout and shout and shout, and we raise our fists. My goodness, are our arms getting tired? Are our throats getting sore? This is hard work. There are so many forces working against us, trying to separate us and forcing us into boxes to disseminate our power. But aren't we lucky that we know a better way? We know that what God has made clean, we cannot, and they cannot call unclean. And just like in Exodus, when Joshua held Moses' arm up so that they can win the battle against their enemies, so should we hold each other's arms up. And we should take a sip of the ever-living water of Christ to soothe our throats so we can continue shouting that the gospel of Jesus Christ has the power to tear down walls and build up love, and that love is more powerful than the evil forces of exclusion. We need to reach out, we need to extend a radical welcome and bring people into that love. Jesus has already invited them. We just need to make room for them. So keep fighting, church. Keep raising your fists. Keep shouting. And keep your minds and your hearts and your physical spaces open to all who need to seek love. And spoiler, everyone does. Amen. <laughs>